Welcome to the Revolution 22 podcast. My name is Sarah Fine, and I'm the director over here at Rev 22 Kids. We encourage you to gather up the whole crew as you are about to listen to a message from, you guessed it, one of our family services. We pray that this message is a blessing to you. Well, good morning. We're excited for you to join us today. Today is one of those special days we call family service. We as a church try to do these about two or three times a year, not to make you guys feel uncomfortable, but because we ultimately believe that it is the parent's job to train up children in the way they they should go, but it is the church's job to come alongside them and help make disciples in that. And so when we do family services, we try to teach in a creative way that would transcend segregating out by age and where we can do it as families. We encourage college students to come in and join families and, and sit together. We encourage people to go further. We also will have, if you notice in the link to this talk, we'll have a handout for you to take this conversation further throughout the week. And again, we encourage you to be creative, to have fun with this, to continue to go further with the word with your kids. And again, we will always be partnering with you in that way. We will always have kids' classrooms and videos as well. But on these these wonderful Sundays, we try to get everyone together, help us see that there's value in us being together as a church, as one family. And every single one of us has a role in helping make disciples of the generations behind us. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get, you get just a really awesome opportunity because you're going to hear from a special guest today. Maximus Humongous III is who you're going to hear from today. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the chance to be here today. Thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you would just speak vibrantly and, and, and incredibly rich truth to every generation that's listening. We know that your word is not broken up by age-specific stuff, but your word is is sharp and true and infallible, God. So we just pray that you would would use this time, that people would be encouraged and admonished, and and whatever challenge they they need to receive, God, that your spirit would do so. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for the ability to preach, and we thank you for the ability to do it over video, even though we so long to be together in person, God. We love you, and we thank you so much for all you do and all you are. We pray that you are fully glorified in everything we say and do today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, all the way from first century Rome, Maximus. (laughs) Greetings and salutations. Welcome this morning to the service. I'm so glad to be here. My name, as Bren mentioned earlier, my name is Maximus Humongous III. I know it's a mouthful. I'm going to say it one more time, okay? My name is Maximus Humongous III, and I am a Roman citizen. And not just that, I'm also a prison guard, okay? Now, just so you know, uh, I am stationed in Philippi in the city or the town of Macedonia. Now, my, my dad, his name was Maximus Humongous the guess what? The second, yeah. And his dad was Maximus Humongous the first. And, you know, we for generations have served the Roman government as soldiers, as warriors for this, for this nation. And, uh, you know, when I was a baby, when I was a little kid, my dad used to call me Junior. Kind of cute, right? But uh, as, as you can tell, you know, I got a lot of muscles, you know, and I'm a huge guy. So they, they kind of stopped calling me Junior as I got older. And I was told that, that someone in your church is also a prison guard. That's kind of cool. It's very fascinating. And I, I was told that he's a tough guy, that he could take, out, take you out maybe in five seconds in ten different ways, which is pretty amazing. But I heard that he's a very, very nice, loving, kind, and gentle person too. And just so you know, me, 
I'm not that kind of a guy. I'm a really mean, angry dude, a true Roman prison guard. And uh, if you're wondering if, if I'm a real character from the Bible, just so you know, I am. Um, my name is not a real name in the Bible, but my story is a true story. And I am here to tell you my story. And it's found in the book of Acts chapter 16 from verses 23 to 34, okay? So if you want to read that later, you can. But my story is real, and I want you to be able to hear this morning and hear God's word this morning, okay? So in my line of duty as a Roman official... I have done some really, really bad things. I've done some really, really mean things. And I have fought many battles. I've caused a lot of pain to a lot of people. You know, I, I may have also killed a few people too. You know, I say may have because I don't know. I don't care. You know, I, in, my, in my training, I was never given the, the, the room to have any kind of emotions towards people that I inflicted pain upon or people that I, I had to use my sword against. And I was never given the room to feel emotions towards these, these people. Speaking about emotions, I, I don't talk about emotions a whole lot. But I want to mention that I have a wife and I have a few kids. And the one thing that my wife and kids know about me is that I'm a ruthless, angry, arrogant Roman official. And I will do whatever it takes, even if that means to kill someone, to do my job. That's all my wife and kids know about me. So enough about how amazing I am. Okay, and you can call me Max if you want to. So let's get to the story. It was a quiet, kind of a warm, sultry evening. And I was stationed in my prison in Philippi, minding my own business as usual. And I heard something. I heard the sound of footsteps and chains and Roman soldiers. You know what that meant? It meant only one thing. It meant that there were some new prisoners, fresh meat, coming to my prison. So I went I went there and I opened the gate and let them in. And I saw them bring two prisoners, two guys pretty beat up, really beat up. They brought them in and then I was given a, a very unusual command. I was told by the guard over here that I had to put these two guys in the most secure part of a prison. That these two guys could never escape. It was a big deal. And, and somehow what they told me didn't make sense. It didn't add up because I had to put these two guys in what I would call the hole. And looking at these two guys, it didn't add up because, you know, I have seen a lot of guys come to this prison. I've seen a lot of criminals come over here and they all do the same thing. They sound the same way. They are screaming, they're yelling, they are biting, they're spitting, they are fighting, they are cussing at everybody and we had to subdue them. But these two guys, no, they were very very peaceful. They were very peaceful. Can you believe that? Very calm, very accommodating to the soldiers who brought them. I was shocked. And for some reason, I, I couldn't stop just, just looking at them and wondering who they were. And I asked the soldier, I said, hey, who, who are these guys? And the soldier told me that their names were Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas? I had never heard of these guys before. And it made sense because the soldier told me that they didn't belong here. They didn't belong in Philippi. They were not from around here. And I wondered what brought them here and how did they end up in this prison? And because, you see, you know, our prisons in Rome were unlike the prisons that you have in Boise, Idaho. They are not meant for people who stay here very long. You know, people who come to our prison, they are most likely going to be executed very soon. 
And those who are awaiting trial are going to get a hearing that may lead to execution. So these two guys are not looking very good being in my prison. And I, I was told that Paul, one of those two guys, Paul, was praying to his God before they came to our town. He was praying to his God and asking God to show them where they should go to preach their message. And then their God, in a vision, spoke to him and told him to come to Macedonia, which is our city, to come here and preach their message. So they came here because their God sent them here and they were preaching their message and they casted out a demon from a little girl, a little, little slave girl. And this girl grew up on my street. I know who she is. And there was something really, really wrong with her. Something happened. It was as if something was tormenting her or someone was tormenting her. And whenever she would have this painful torment, her owners, her slave owners, would make money out of that and tell people that she could see their future and tell things about their fortunes and stuff like that. So they were making money out of her. And so Paul and Silas saw her and she was saying, you guys are the servants of the most high God. And they knew something was off and they casted out this demon from this little girl. And she was free now, but now her slave masters were not too happy, I guess. And so they got their buddies and beat these two guys up. And then the soldiers joined in too. And they joined in and they beat these two guys with rods and sticks. Now, just so you know, in Rome... We don't do that to people who are Romans. You know, that is not a legal way of, of, of punishing someone. Flogging, yes. Whipping, yes. But beating with sticks and rods, we keep that for people who are not Romans. Looking at these two guys, they were not Romans, right? Obviously, Paul and Silas, not Romans. So that didn't matter to us. So here they are, and I had to put them in the hole. So I dragged them behind me, and I had to show them that I was in charge. I'm the boss here, right? Had a stern face. I dragged them, and this is the weird thing. No matter how angry I wanted to look to these two guys, it seemed as if they were smiling at me. Can you believe that? They were just following me, and it, it looked as if they were my friends. They're not my friends. They are prisoners here, right? But it was kind of really weird the way they were nice to me and kind to me. That was weird. So I still dragged them. I took them to their hole. I put them in their cell. I chained them up, shackled them up, and locked their gate. You know, something was really off about these two guys. And, you know, if Jonathan, I guess, do you, you know Jonathan? If Jonathan were here this morning, you know, he would want to remind you something. He would want to remind you of this. And I'm going to try to talk like Jonathan, okay? It's kind of hard. He has a funny accent, but I'm going to try, okay? <laughs> See now, I'm Jonathan. Isn't that funny how that works? <laughs> God's direction doesn't necessarily mean no difficulties. Church believers, you have to remember that when we face trials, when we face difficulties, it does not mean that God is not with us. Look at the story. Paul and Silas are here in prison. They almost got beaten to death. They were following God. They ended up here following God. And if we ever question and wonder if God is leading us when we face hardships, we're missing the whole point. Don't let your faith grow weary. Don't go weak when you face trials. Because Jesus himself said in Luke 9.23, says, pick up your cross and follow me daily. A cross signifies difficulties, hardships, persecution, sickness, ailments, death. You know, and Jesus also says that in this life, we will face persecution. We will face persecution. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Christ is with us. His spirit lives in us. And no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, he's always, always with us. Look at these two guys. 
Nothing is facing them. No matter what they're going through, they are confident that God is with them. Okay, now back to the story. I'm back here again. How was my accent? Was it pretty good? It's kind of hard. I'm working on it. Okay. So as I kept watching these two guys, things got weirder and weirder and weirder. Okay. So, for example, evening became night. It got dark. And trust me, you know, I, I have heard some crazy things happen at night. People don't sleep here, just so you know. I don't care. I go to sleep. I snore. But in the prison, No. You can hear people screaming because of their night terrors and their nightmares. You'll hear people cussing at their God, angry, bitter, cussing at me because they don't like me. I don't like them. It doesn't matter. People yelling, fighting, people weeping and wailing, crying all night. Some people in pain, some just in anguish and sorrow and anger. But you know one thing I've never heard in the prison? It's singing. I have never heard singing and praying in the prison, in my entire life. And this evening I heard it. And it came from the hole. It came from this, these two guys, this cell. And you know what? This is the weird thing. Everyone in the cell and the prison could hear that. Their voices echoed through the chambers of this dark and gloomy cave of a prison. For the first time, this place seemed to have life and hope. It seemed as if these dark walls had a heavenly glow about them. And all the other prisoners were hearing this. And, you know, I don't like talking about emotions, but for the first time, I think I felt a glimpse of the peace that these two guys had. For the first time in my life, I felt a sense of calmness in my heart. I never had that before. And I began to wonder, how are these two guys able to have that kind of peace? What do they have that I don't have? And I wanted more of that. You know, if, if Jonathan were talking, he'd want to remind you this morning that the world is watching you. The world is watching how you handle your hard and difficult situations in your life. And one more thing, I want to remind you that, that singing is powerful. Singing is powerful. I'm going to try talking like Jonathan again, okay? Ready for this? It's, it's, um, it's magical. Look at this. Back to Jonathan now. Singing is powerful, church. Remember that. When we sing, we sing truths about his character. We sing truths about God. We worship God. We align ourselves in a posture of submission to him. You know, when we sing, the Bible says that the Lord is enthroned in the praises of his saints. It builds our faith because when we sing truths about God from his word, it edifies us because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It builds us in our faith. It builds us in unity because now we're singing truths together as a family, as a body of believers. It builds us in our unity as well. How often do you sing? How often do you sing at home? Are you always depending on someone like me to stand up here and lead you in singing and worship? If that's the only time you sing, you are missing out on what God wants to do in your heart and in your family and in your community. You know, we, we kind of have this belief that singing should always be happy. You know, I don't know if Paul and Silas were singing happy songs there. I don't know that. I wasn't there like Maximus Humongous III. But one thing I know for a fact that we look at the book of Psalms, we look at David. David sang songs when he was happy and when he was sad and angry and bitter and broken. Let our songs be authentic. Our singing should be honest and sincere and full of passion for the Lord. Church, I want to remind you to sing to the Lord. Sing to Him with your children. Sing to Him with your gospel community. Sing to the Lord when you're happy. Sing to Him when you're sad. Sing to Him when you're stuck in your house and you cannot leave your house. Sing to Him at all times. May His praises fill your lips. May it sanctify you and may it draw you closer to Him.
Isn't that crazy? Now I'm back to Maximus now. It's amazing how these glasses work. <laughs> so Max, right? I never learned to sing. I never sang growing up. But one thing that I saw these, in these two guys was that the way they responded to their circumstances influenced my response to their message. The way we respond to our suffering influences the way the world responds to our message. Does that make sense? Now, what these two guys, Paul and Silas over here, are going through is the same thing that all these other guys are going through in the cell, in these prison cells over here. But the way they were behaving, the way they were treating me, the way they were looking at their situation, it really made me want to wonder what they had to tell me about what they believed in. Believers in Boise, Idaho, I want to ask you, how do you handle suffering when it happens to you? And I don't know what's going on in your city or in your country. I don't, I don't live here. But if there were a situation where you were forced to be stuck in your house on a cell, which may never happen in Boise, right? How would you handle that? How would you handle that? When there is someone like me who's inflicting pain on someone who doesn't deserve to be here, how would you handle that? And, you know, you guys have the Bible, which is amazing. What does the Bible talk about that? Because so often the world is watching. Everyone is watching. Every prisoner is watching these two guys as to how they handle their suffering, how they handle their pain. And the more and more they act different compared to the rest of these guys over here, the more and more it makes me want to know what they have to offer. The church, believers, the world is watching you. The world is watching you to what you run to and how you handle suffering and pain. All right, so the night only gets weirder and crazier. Ready for this? The singing is going on, right? It's about midnight now. It's late, it's midnight now, okay? And what's going to happen right now is literally groundbreaking, okay? Guess what? There was an earthquake. Can you believe that? An earthquake in Philippi. We've never had an earthquake before. Never, okay? Oh, in Boise, I'm not sure if you guys have ever had an earthquake. I don't think you would... May I have ever had an earthquake? I'm not sure. Oh, what was that guy? Brent's talking to me. Just hang on a sec. Brent, what was that? Uh, earthquake in Boise? Recently. Oh, oh, hi. thanks. Thank you, Brent. Oh, just so you know, I just heard that Brent told me that, your pastor, Brent, that you guys had an earthquake in Boise. It's crazy. You know, I wish he told that to me half an hour ago. He's talking about chickens and why he's afraid of them. I don't know why. You should ask him later. It's weird. So, so you had an earthquake. Great. So this is crazy about this earthquake because I would call it a gatequake, not an earthquake. And I'll tell you why. Because when this earthquake happened, the very foundations of this prison were shaken. Okay? It was crazy. But nothing fell down. The walls didn't collapse. The roof just didn't collapse. But the weird thing that happened was that every door, every gate was unlocked. Can you believe that? Every gate, every door swung open. And not just that, Every prisoner, every shackle on every ankle fell apart. Isn't that crazy? Imagine if that earthquake that happened in Boise, imagine when that happened that all your doorknobs fell off, right? How crazy will that be? That's what happened over here. Now, I want you to keep in mind, I forgot to mention this little detail. For some weird reason, I was the only guard on duty this evening. There was no one else in the prison. It's midnight and there are no lights. It just dawned on me that every prisoner, every prisoner in here, every murderer, every wicked, evil person in here was now free. 
Can you believe that? Was now free and I'm all alone. For the first time in my life, for the first time, I felt fear. I was afraid. I was filled with dread because I knew what was going to happen now. I knew what was going to come my way. It was all these guys who had been locked up and I've been evil. I've been mean to each and every one of them. They're going to find me in the dark. They're going to find me. They're going to hurt me. They're going to kill me. It's going to happen. It was that or even if I escaped, even if somehow I escaped tonight, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be humiliated and I'm going to be executed in public for failing in my job. The one thing I had to do for failing in my job as a Roman guard. I either could choose to die with these guys or be killed tomorrow. Those were my two options. But wait, hang on a sec. There was a third option. It dawned on me. There was a third option. The third option was this. Because I knew I could take these guys out, but not all of them. I was strong, but not strong enough to take all of them in one shot. I could maybe push them back to their cells, but not in the dark. I'm going to lose this fight, but I don't, I don't want to die as a coward. I don't want to be humiliated and die and killed tomorrow. The third option was this. I could kill myself. That would be much, much, much easier, much less painful, and much, much less embarrassing. I would rather do that. I drew out my sword, my, my, trusted, my trusted sword, my best friend for, for a long time. The sword has killed a lot of people. And today, tonight, it was going to kill again. And this time, it was going to be stained by my blood. As I saw the sword my entire life, flashed in front of my eyes. I remember my wife and my kids, their faces came to my memory and I realized that I never knew them. They never knew me. I never loved them. I was incapable of loving my family. I could not receive or show love to anyone. I was empty. I was hollow. I was broken inside this facade, inside this, this big show, this job and everything, my achievements. I was a broken man who was terrified to live or to die. I thought about this and I realized that my wife and kids did not deserve me. They did not deserve me. I was such a horrible person. I've done a lot of evil things. I was selfish. I was prideful. I never thought about them. I always thought about myself and my interests. So I held the sword and just as I was about to just kill myself, I heard a voice. I heard someone yelling, and screaming, stop, stop, do not kill yourself. We are all here. None of us have escaped. I froze. You know the kind of freezing where you are sweating bullets and, and you're shaking? You're shaking violently. And I was wondering, who is this person? How, how do they know I'm going to kill myself? Because it's dark. And, and what more do they, do they know about me that, that I don't know about myself? I... I froze and then, and I began, I began to cry. The kind of crying that you don't want to hear, okay. Um, I was crying like, a, like an infant who could not be consoled. I had never cried before. I've seen my own friends die and I've never cried for even them. I was crying, I was bawling, I couldn't be stopped. And I said, can someone get the lights? Someone get the lights. And, and I don't know who got the lights. It must have been a prisoner who got the lights on, who got a torch. And now everyone, every prisoner is watching me cry like a baby. It didn't matter. It just didn't matter. Because everything I, I thought about life and death, about peace and war, about love and fear, was all turned upside down. 
Everything I believed about myself was upside down. It didn't matter who saw me cry, but I knew something. I knew the voice that spoke to me came from the whole these two guys, Paul and Silas, they knew something that I did not know. They had something that I never had, and I wanted that badly. Life wasn't worth living without that. So I, I ran to their cell. I ran towards them, bawling my eyes out. And I see these two guys smiling. Their gate is wide open, shackles on the floor. They're smiling at me. Imagine that. These two guys look weird. And then I, I did something for the first time. I fell at their feet. I have never fallen on at anyone's feet before. I'm still crying. I was bawling my eyes. I was at their feet. And I don't know what I said. I was mumbling. I did not have words. I was so confused. And I think I said this one phrase, which sounds weird, okay? It sounds really weird. I said this one phrase. I said, how can I be saved? I don't know where that came from. I know what that meant. But I said that to Paul and Silas at their feet. And you know, these two guys were so weird. It seemed as if they had heard that before. <laughs> More than once. Because they had an answer for it too. And they both said it together. Can you believe that? They both said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And not just that. They said that. Even my family, my household can be saved. What more did they knew about me? How did they know I had a family, right? And so th those were the most beautiful words I had ever heard in my life. And the funny thing is, it, I didn't know what that meant. did not know what that even meant at the time. But I knew I had to know about that. I had to ask them more questions to know, okay, what does this mean? And how can I have that? So, so Paul and Silas picked me up from the ground Okay, I was a mess. And I'm going to tell you something that I, I should not tell, okay? Because if you tell this to my boss back in Rome, I'll be in trouble back in Philippi. So this is a secret. Okay, please keep it to yourselves, okay? Ready? I took these two felons to my house. Can you believe that? I, yeah, I left the prison. Everybody in it took them to my house at 2 in the morning. Insane, right? So this is our secret, okay? So I, I take them to my house. And just so you know, they would not stop talking all the way about Jesus. Non-stop. On and on and on, right? They were talking about how, how Jesus was God who became flesh, who came to earth, who lived a sinless life, who died on the cross, which is a horrible death, for my sins, for all the evil things I have done so that I can be forgiven, that I can live without any guilt or shame or regret. I was a free person because Christ, Jesus Christ died for my sins. And guess what? I found out that Paul here was actually Saul. Can you believe that? I knew who Saul was. I heard a lot about this guy. He was a mean dude, worse than me most likely. But now he's Paul. He looked different. He was a good guy. And I wanted to be like, he said, you can be like me if you follow Jesus. And I said, I want this Jesus. So here I am asking these questions about who Jesus is and how Jesus can change my life. And, and guess what? I, I accepted Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. And then, and then I felt this huge, huge weight lifted off my chest. I was free from all my fears, from all my gifts, from all my shame. I could feel emotions. I was a new person now. I was just filled with joy. Can you believe that? So we go walk into my house. Okay, imagine this. Imagine. We go to our house and my wife opens the door at two in the morning. She's wondering, what are you doing here? Right? Why aren't you at work? And who are these two ragamuffins with you? Right? So we, we go home and then this is the crazy part. My wife and my kids 
they were shocked to see me. And my wife said that she couldn't recognize me. Do you know why? Because she said she's, she'd never seen me so happy. She'd never seen me so much filled with joy and hope before. They were crying, looking at my face. I gave my wife and kids a lot of hugs. And I said, I'm so sorry for not loving you. Forgive me. Will you please forgive me? I am a new person. I have a new heart. I have a new mind. I'm a new person now. I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. And he has changed my heart. He's made me a new person. And I want to love you. I want to embrace your kids. I want to be with you. I want to know you guys more. And you know what happened? These two guys will not stop talking about Jesus. They went on and on and on. And then and Paul says, hey, hey, Max, your buddies now, right? You should get baptized now. I said, what was, what's that about? He said, well, this is a way for you to show the world, your family and your neighbors who are wondering what's going on, that, that you are dead to your sins and now you are alive in Jesus, that you are a new creation now in Jesus. So we are going to dunk you in water. I said, that's fine. Let's do it. So I got, I got baptized as a proclamation to my neighbors, to my wife, because I'm a Christian. I'm a believer now. I believe in Jesus now. And what happened next was very beautiful because, you know, I, I could not preach or teach about Jesus the way Paul and Silas could do. They were nonstop, okay? They were really good. And I learned a lot about Jesus, but I could never teach about Jesus the way they were doing to my wife and my kids. And, and they chose to follow Jesus. They chose to follow Jesus because they saw something that was changed in my life. You know, I, I heard that you guys have an amazing pastor, Brent Angelos, who can preach really well. I'm not Brent Angelos. I'm just a prison guard. I could never teach about Jesus the way Paul and Silas could do to them. But they saw something in me that words could never teach. They saw my life. They saw how my life had changed because of what Jesus had done to me. And they were like, if this can happen, if this guy can change this has got to be real. We want that too. So my wife and my kids believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they too got baptized in the middle of the night. Paul and Silas would not stop talking, okay? And until they got us baptized and we had all these questions about Jesus that they answered all of them. And then we had food together. We had food together. Um, you may want to call it a midnight snack or an early morning breakfast. I don't know what you want to call it, but we had a meal together. And we, we washed their wounds. We put, we put bandages on them. They were pretty beat up, pretty beat up. I was amazed that they could walk and talk about Jesus and not be dead by now. You know, this, this is my story. This is my story. And I wanna, what I want to ask you this morning is this. Not just the world is watching us about how we handle difficulties and stress and trials. Our kids are watching that too. Our kids are watching what example we lead. And what I want to remind you is, what do our kids see in us when we go through hardship? You know, our kids don't really need to know what we believe. They need to see and experience how your life is being transformed based on that belief. Your kids don't just need to be taught the word. They also need to see its transformational power in your lives. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how much scripture you can memorize. It doesn't matter if you can preach or not preach. What matters is how's your life showing that. 
Do your children see you turn to God when you are anxious? Do your kids see you run to God when you're afraid? Do your kids see you forgive when someone hurts you? Do your kids see you ask for forgiveness when you have wronged someone? Do your children see you run to Christ for strength when you are weak? What do you run to? What do you run to when you're afraid? What do you run to when you're depressed? What do you run to? What are your kids watching that you run to? They should see you running to Jesus, to Christ, because he, the strength that he gives you is beyond and bigger than anything that can give you in this world. The pleasure that he gives you is bigger and better than anything else in this world. When you run to him, no matter what you go through, even if you're cooped up in your house, no matter what you're experiencing, it will not touch you because he is, he is with you. He's with you in that and he's covering you. So church, I want to leave you with this. I want you to be reminded that suffering is not an option sometimes. Very often it's part of your journey in following God and the world is watching how we handle suffering. And most importantly, our kids are watching us. Moms and dads, our kids are watching us to see how our faith is played out in life and in action. So I'm going to pray, okay? But before I pray, I, I was told that as a, with your family service thing that you guys do in Boise, Idaho, that you guys have an activity. Fun. Okay, so we have an activity this, this Sunday, okay? This activity is going to be that you are going to draw a family portrait. I know that all these, all kids do that, right? We draw mom, dad, you know, brother, sister, puppy, and kitten. Great stuff. So, but this one, I want you all to do together, okay? So dads, I want you to draw yourself in this portrait. Moms, you draw yourselves, okay? And each kiddo, draw yourself, not the, not the animals. They don't have to draw, but the kiddos. You guys draw yourselves, okay? And the reason I'm, I think this is important is because it's for us to remember that, that we are together as a family, that God has a plan for his glory to be revealed to others around us and each, each and every one of us, no matter how old and how young you are, you play a role in God's kingdom in this season, okay? If you want to draw Max, Maximus in that, that's great. Make sure he's like double the size of your dad because I'm a big dude, okay? Just so you know, eight feet tall, you're wondering. Okay, I'm kidding. Okay, so the next thing I wanted to let you know is that um, there'll be a document that's going to be attached to this, the description of this video and you may have received an email with the worksheet for this Sunday's family service. And in this is a bunch of stuff for kids to do and you know, learn about God. And there are some questions that are, that are good questions that I want you to read. As a family, um, we have it for kids, we have it for adults. And even in your gospel community, I want you to read these questions, okay? And discuss them because these are questions that are going to help us go deeper in knowing about God and knowing about how do we handle this situation, this season that we're right now going through, okay? So for prayer, if you can, I would love if you could stand with me, okay, if you're able to do that. Um, if you cannot, that's fine. And mom, if you're in the kitchen, you can join us too if you want to. And dads, I know you're on your phone checking the Bible app. It's okay. You can put that down if you could. And I want us to hold hands, okay, if it's appropriate, okay? And if you don't, it's okay. It's because there are people in our lives that we wish we could hold their hand right now that are not close to us, okay? That we wish we were close to them in proximity, right? And we should remember that God has granted you the privilege of being close to those around you right now that are in your homes, in your gospel community, in your church, that we are here for a reason and that every one of us play a part in God's kingdom. 
that every one of us is going to be an influence to the world, whether it's good or bad in the season. And we can only do this together and not by ourselves. Okay? So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us to live through a time as such as this. And thank you, God, for holding us together. Thank you for never letting us go. We pray for those of our loved ones who are facing hard times, who live in our own city, those who live in difficult places, God. We pray that we will run and not grow weary, that we'll walk and not faint. Thank you, Lord, for the story. And thank you, Lord, for counting us worthy to live for you. May our lives, our actions, our attitudes be that of Christ. And may the world, may our families see us and glorify you and know you more. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.